Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Wednesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
composed by my good friend, now Tzot Abrit, Baruch Levine.
JM in the AM. Jakob Shweki. The Who K. Lee. Before that, Leva Chad done by Yidel. You heard Ruli Izrahi brand new with Hotsia via Hafta and Kikel Poel and Yifrach. All done. <coughs> Whew. All done by Shmakolenu. My recent habit of uh <laughs> my recent habit of uh going back to the oldies and <sighs> grouping them together and enjoying those together. There are people in this audience of all ages, and when we string together three Shmakolenu hits from yesteryear, it makes a certain category of people very, very happy. Avremel, brand new with Lanetzach. That's a 2024 production. Lanetzach, rather. Lanetzach is a song that um, we've learned recently has been very popular in Israel for years. Avremo released it as a video over the last couple of days. Uh, it's actually called and credited to Avraham Freed and the Soldiers, literally, Avraham Freed and the Soldiers. And um, that's a song that's going to continue to resonate with us as this war continues. We're about to get into February. Today's the final day of January. We're about to get into February. I believe it's day number 117. 117 of our hostages being held and of this war officially having started. I mean, again, the actual ground offensive and the war did not begin until a few weeks after October 7th, but you get my point. Since all this began, we're up to day number uh, 117. And that's Linat Seach, Avram Fried, one of the many, many artists who have been uh, so instrumental in giving chizuk to our soldiers. And not to give too much away, but this is really the theme of Kosher Halftime Show 2024. I know that it's sometimes difficult for people to believe that we could take a halftime show in the middle of the, you know, celebratory Super Bowl and get really serious. But this year we have no choice. We figured we have to use the platform to at least acknowledge uh, the way uh, the artists and in general, people have been supporting the soldiers, and in this case, uh, I, I think people already are getting the idea that Avram Fried is going to be a very big part of it, a very big part of that conversation that we're going to have during halftime a week from Sunday. And, um, and what else can I say? What else can I say? There are some amazing role models in this industry. There really are. I would say the majority of the Jewish music artists are really solid role models, honestly. I really would. Uh, tremendous qualities among many of them. He, Avremel, is just off the charts, and I know him really, really well for about 40 years, and I learn more and more about him each time we get together. It's really amazing. Anyway, more about that with a big thank you to the Rothenberg Law Firm, InjuryLawyer.com. They're going to be presenting our Kosher Halftime Show week from Sunday. And, of course, all of our commercial sponsors, etc., etc., etc. Much appreciated. Uh, Psachia, brand new. We got this yesterday, an instrumental version of Achenu done by Psachia. Psachia Septimus. Mazal Tov to Psachia on the brand new release. And, of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Well, I yeah, I'm, I'm certainly sounding better. I wish I can get rid of this cough, but it is on its way out, I believe. Bezrat Hashem. 
Later today, in hour number three, we'll get an opportunity to speak with Ellie Beer. It's always interesting speaking with him. He's, of course, the founder of United Hatzalah. And um, the brand new book by Rabbi Seltzer is entitled Angels in Orange, Uplifting Stories of Courage, Faith, and Miracles from the United Hatzalah Heroes of October 7th. It's written by Rabbi Nachman Seltzer. It is, uh, I, I, you know, it's funny. Um, the the stories are unbelievable. I mean, the uh, the the incredible situations that the Hatzalah volunteers, United Hatzalah volunteers in Israel, were in on the seventh of October and the, and the days afterwards are, are simply unbelievable. And um, anyway, we'll get a chance to speak with uh, Ellie Beer about this whole thing coming up. Uh, hour number three this morning. If you haven't gotten the book yet, it's a Ray Nachman Seltzer's book. Go to artscroll.com. Make sure to use promo code radio. Again, go to artscroll.com. Make sure to use promo code radio. If you haven't supported our 40th anniversary campaign, even though obviously you can you can give it any time during the year at fjbunity.org. Uh, for us, it's extra special if we can uh, get as close as possible to our goal. And we've set a week from Friday, Rosh Chodesh, as the... Um, as the deadline, as the um, final day of our fundraiser. And to those of you who have not yet given, have not yet become supporters for the 40th anniversary campaign, I remind you to uh, please help us out. Go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and participate. And I thank you. I thank you very, very much. Um was in touch yesterday with our friends at Nefesh Benefesh. They have some great things going on in the next few weeks, which we're going to be talking about. Um, there's just a lot happening. Baruch Hashem always seems to be a lot happening. By the way, speaking of a lot happening, you know, um, uh, our chairman, Ralph Rosenbaum, has kept us up to date on this event that's happening at the Young Israel of East Brunswick this coming Saturday night. They're going to be welcoming Jason Greenblatt. I don't think anybody can address the situation in the Middle East in 2024 better than he can. Um, After all, not only during the Trump administration was he one of the key people in the Abraham Accords, but aside from that, he has been on top of everything going on in the Middle East since then. Anyway, um, so this coming Saturday night, um, Jason Greenblatt is going to be the guest speaker at the Young Israel of East Brunswick, but we were informed overnight um, that in addition to the speakers that will be uh, officially speaking on Saturday night, the Young Israel of East Brunswick is going to be joined by survivors of the Nova Music Festival, Daniel and Neria Sharabi, Nova Festival warriors that found cover with dozens of others behind an abandoned tank and fought against the terrorists with weapons and ammunition that they found in the tank. They saved countless lives by providing cover fire for those escaping Hamas's onslaught. They are going to be part of the um, event this coming Saturday night. It begins at 8 p.m., Young Israel of East Brunswick. And um, reservations, information, etc. You can go to our website, uh, nachomsegel.com slash community-calendar, and you could find the um, information there for this coming Saturday night. So that is uh, yet an additional twist to Saturday night's event that's pretty amazing. 
And that's happening at the Young Israel of the East Brunswick. JM in the AM, thanks for joining us, everybody. A pleasure to welcome you on this Wednesday morning. By the way, tomorrow, Daniel Posner is going to be joining us live in studio in Teaneck, New Jersey. And um, I know that a lot of people feel that um, I spend a lot of time or too much time on the topic of sports on this show. Um, Yeah, I don't think I spend too much time. But anyway, uh, tomorrow's conversation is really going to be uh, an amazing conversation regarding athletesforisrael.org athletesforisrael.org focuses on the fight against racism and anti-Semitism by partnering with professional and collegiate athletes to educate and promote a factual, honest, positive perspective of Israel and the Jewish people. And we get to speak to Daniel Posner, who is uh, the founder of Athletes for Israel. Um tomorrow here on this broadcast at the same time we're going to be um we're going to be welcoming elliot steinmetz the yeshiva university men's basketball team coach because they uh were the team was with athletes for israel in israel recently and obviously you could imagine that was a very meaningful journey so all that happening tomorrow starting at about 745 T-Next Studio JM in the AM. Lots going on as we say, lots going on. More happening on this two, on this Wednesday. Keep it right here at JM in the AM. Thank you. 
Sometimes when you sing the same note over and over again And you wonder when will this note change or will it ever end Then you realize something you may not have realized before That when the chords are changing you're just not the same note anymore So when you put yourself in Claudius throw you'll start to hear that song And even though you're only one little note your note becomes so strong. Got more power than you know. 
only needs a few little chords behind it to shine and let it show. J.M. in the A.M. Joey Newcomb with a brand new one entitled One Note Nigun. Archie Robbie before that with Vani. You heard Eighth Day with We Want. Mashiach Now. Pretty cool idea, huh? One Note Nigun. Joey Newcomb at JM there. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com on the NachumSingle Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Golly, it's on the background to our news from Israel coming up. An hour from now, Ellie Beer, founder of United Hatzalah in Israel. The book is called Angels and Orange. It's a brand new one from Ray Nachman Seltzer. And uh, it is available now at artscroll.com. Go to artscroll.com. Make sure to use promo code radio. Simple as that. For Angels in Orange, we'll speak with Ellie Beer, founder of United Hatzalah, coming up an hour from now right here at JM in the AM. Pretty amazing book, frankly. Golly, it's on the background. Do our news from Israel coming up? If you haven't yet supported our 40th anniversary campaign, please do so. Go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Be counted among the supporters of JM and the AM again. fjbunity.org. Remember, listener support is a major component of how we keep on going every single day. No matter how we feel, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter where in the world we might be. And it's all done with your help, so please give fjbunity.org. Galaitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast is next. We say Boker Tov from Jam and the Am. Galaitzal, Mirushalem, Ashaashtaim, Shalom Rav, Baulpan, Ran Yavnai, Imashikoreachshav. ימותים סמוך למעבר קרם שלום, כ-20 מוחים שניסו להגיע ולחסום תנועת מסעיות הספקה לרצועת עזה, וקבוע על ידי המשטרה. מדווח כתבנו בדרום, רמי שני. המשטרה עצרה ועקבה לחקירה קרוב ל-20 בני אדם שניסו להגיע למעבר קרם שלום בניסיון לחסום תנועת מסעיות הספקה לרצועת עזה. פעילי המחאה מנסים להגיע בהליכה רגלית לעבר המחסום, לאחר שאלוף פיקוד הדרום הטיל צו שטח צבאי סגור על האזור. חסימת ציר התנועה נעשית במרחק של כשבעה קילומטרים מהמעבר. עד לשעה הזו הספיקו לעבור כמאה וחמישים משאיות עם אספקה לרצועת עזה. השר לביטחון לאומי בן גביר תקף לפני שעה קלה במליאת הכנסת את פרטי העסקה לשחרור חטופים שדווחו בימים האחרונים בתקשורת וטען העסקה מופקרת בכל קנה מידה. אזרחי ישראל אינם עיזים וגם אני אדוני ראש הממשלה אינני עז. שמעתי את תגובת הבית הלבן שנתניהו יכול לדבר בשם עצמו אבל המשא ומתן מתקדם. מה זהו? האמריקאים התחילו לנהל רשמית את מדינת ישראל, את ממשלת ישראל. רב סרן במילואים נצר שמחי, בן 30, שנפל אתמול בקרב ברצועת עזה, יובא למנוחות בעוד זמן קצר בבית העלמין ביישוב מסד. אילן שמחי, אביו של נצר, ספד לו אצל אמיר איבגי בגלי צה"ל. הטנק שלפניו נפגע, ונצר מיד קופץ לעזרה, ו... שניות לאחר מכן מקבל למעשה טיל של RPG ונהרג במקום. אבל זה בדיוק זה. חברים שלי במצוקה, 
זה לא מעניין אותי מה קורה בחוץ. רצים, עוזרים, אני לא מתחרט לרגע. גם אם שילמתי מחיר מאוד כבד, כי ככה צריכים לחנך את הילדים שלנו. בבית האלמין הר הרצל יובא בעוד זמן קצר למנוחות סרן במילואים גבריאל שני. בשעה זו מתחילה בבית האלמין כפר עציון, הלווייתו של רב סמל בכיר במילואים יובל ניר. יהי זכרם ברוך. הלחימה בעזה, לוחמי צוות הקרב של חטיבה 7, פשטו על מוצב לייצור אמצעי לחימה של הג'יהאד האיסלאמי בח'אן יונס. הלוחמים איתרו והשמידו מחרטה לייצור רקטות, בה היו רקטות ארוכות טווח, טילי נ"ט, מוקשים ומטעני חבלה שהוסלקו בתוך שקי אונר"א. בנוסף, הותר והושמד תוואי תת-קרקע במתחם. מליאת הכנסת אישרה בקריאה טרומית הצעת חוק שלפיה מי שהייתה מאורסת לחייל צה"ל שנפל תקבל הכרה וזכויות כבת משפחתו של הנופל למשך חמש שנים. כתב התחום הפוליטי שחר גליק מוסר כי החוק, אם יעבור באופן סופי, יחול גם על נפגעי פעולות איבה ויהיה תקף רק לגבי מי שנפל במערכות ישראל החל מהשנה האחרונה. גל ההתעקרויות נמשך, יוניליבר מעלה מחירים על מוצרי הגלידות והשוקולד עד 15%. בין המוצרים שהתייקרו, חטיף קליק, גלידה משפחתית וקרמבו, העדכון הזה ייכנס לתוקף ב-1 במרס. כתבתנו עינב קרנר מציינת שמחר היבואנית שסטוביץ' תייקר חלק ממוצריה בשיעור של עד 20%. מזג האוויר גשם לפרקים, בעיקר בצפון הארץ ובמישור החוף, מלווה סופות רעמים, חשש מהצפות מקומיות לאורך החוף וקר מהרגיל לעונה. אלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולט.
J.M. in the A.M. with uh, Ellie Seidenfeld, Tfilas Haneros here at J.M. in the A.M. Danielle Alicia with Yerushalayim opened up the hour. Thanks for joining us, everybody. 17 minutes after the hour, J.M. in the A.M. Good morning. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. If you haven't yet given to our 40th anniversary campaign, it's fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and I thank those who have been Responding over the last couple of days as uh, we continue forward to the deadline next week of our 40th anniversary campaign. Much appreciated. FJBUnity.org is the address. More coming up. You're listening to a Wednesday morning edition of JM in the AM. Yisrael Achenu Kol Bet Yisrael Hanetunim Batsara Batsara Ubashivya Haomdim Ben Bayam Uben Bayabasha Israel, ah, Yeah. 
Ben Remoshe, Fin Kerestir, Repshaye 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 Ben Everyone is welcome from far and near. Is 
J.M. the A.M. with Avarechecha done by Yitzi Ackerman. That's another brand new selection that we've been featuring here at J.M. the A.M. Joey Newcomb's Reb Shaya. Achenu is done by R.J. too. Uh, Wednesday morning here at J.M. the A.M. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words. Zechonishmas Harav Zebin Yosef Levi and Zechonishmas Esther Basar Yosef Levi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with morning chizuk. Good morning. We learn in the Talmud, Maseches Sanhedrin, Amrav Yehuda Amarav. Rav Yehuda said in the name of Rav, Adam Harishon, Adam, the first man, He reached from one end of the universe to the other. Shenemar, as it says in the Pasuk, Since the day that Hashem created man on the earth, From one end of the heavens, to the other end of the heavens. Kivin Shesarach, once Adam Arishon sinned, Hiniach HaKadosh Baruch Hu Yodo Alav Umiato. Hashem Yisbarach placed his hand on him and diminished him. The Sefer Machsheves Yisrael explains that it's not only talking about the height of Adam Arishon, rather it's talking about the heights that you and I can reach in this world that we are not limited. We have explosive potential to accomplish great heights and achieve goals that we might not have thought were humanly possible. When Basia, the daughter of Paro, went to save Moshe Rabbeinu from the river, we learn that really Moshe was well beyond her reach, but when she stretched out her hand, a great miracle happened. Her arm extended, and she was able to reach Moshe and retrieve him from the water. This, in truth, is the koach of Klau Yisrael, to be able to accomplish the impossible. On my recent trip to Eretz Yisrael, I had the great privilege to be Mavakar Choyle, to visit a recuperating soldier in the hospital that had been seriously wounded. He is Baruch Hashem recuperating. During the visit, he continually asked me, please, Mishaberach, please, a bracha for Rafua Shalema. Waiting in the hall was one of his officers that had come to visit him. When I went into the hall, I had a chat with the officer, and he told me that this soldier is one of the greatest fighters he has ever seen. I mentioned that he asked for a bracha for Rufua Shalema a few times. The officer smiled. He said, yes, I will explain to you why. 
because he wants to have a speedy recovery so that he can return to the battlefield immediately. Adam Harishon, Misofa Oilam, Viatsofa Haya. Just as Adam Harishon reached the highest heights, so too the Giborim, the Tzadikim, and Noshim Tzidkaniyos Omangas reached the highest heights. May Hashem Yisparach protect all of the soldiers, all the members of the IDF. May they all come home safe and sound. Yehiratzon, that all of the hostages be released immediately and return home safe and sound. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you Morning Chizik. Have a nice day.
מתגבר פה על הכל. עם ישראל הם חזקים, לא נוותר ולא ניפול. אנחנו לא מפחדים, וגם ברגעים שקשה, העם שלי מזה צומח, לא נשבר, לא מתייאש. נלחם עד שמנצח, עם ישראל Oh, oh, oh. 
Looking back at the trail of tears behind them As the past they cherished disappeared from sight Hearts torn from the home they'd never see again Thrust into an exile Wanderers of the night But along the road she waited For her children For who else but a mother Eases pain Her resting place was chosen For this reason To be that one lone space of comfort that remains So we carry our prayers to you, Mamerochel With no more words and only tears to you, Mamerochel Mame, you did not ask why Mame, Mame, Rochel Mame, you did not ask how Mame, Mame, Rochel But please don't hold back your tears Let your voice be heard again Mame, don't stop asking Mame, Mame, Rochel. 
shaking It is here that we feel safe So we turn to you There's nowhere else to run The future feels uncertain But in this promise we have faith Oy, bishavu, bishavu Oh, 
J.M. in the A.M. There we go. Yosef Karduner with Rifa Enu. Remember, we have a lot of brothers and sisters in Israel who uh, remain wounded after the events of October the 7th. And, of course, since then, um, all the injuries 
that have taken place uh, due to the war. There are many people in this audience, many people in this audience. I know this because I have come across so many of them who on a daily basis are praying for our brothers and sisters who are in difficult situations physically because of the events of the last uh, few months. And all I could say is call like a vote. We don't want to get into that. Um, we don't want to get into a situation where we, God forbid, forget. where We just go back to normal life and don't consider what so many individuals and families are going through. Some of the situations are going to last for quite a while. Um, so call like a vote to those who have our brothers and sisters in mind on a regular basis. Yosef Carduna with Rafa'inu. Benny Freeman, Baruch Levine together with Shavu Vanim. You heard Shuli Rand with Gamki Elech. Aviad with Am Yisrael Chai and Yaakov Shweki and Ten Lee Koach to open up that set here at JM and the AM. Ellie Beer is going to join us. The brand new book by Nachman Seltzer is entitled Angels in Orange, Uplifting Stories of Courage, Faith, and Miracles from the United Hatzalah Heroes of October the 7th. We'll speak with Ellie Beer, founder of United Hatzalah, coming up. Book is available at artscroll.com. Go to artscroll.com. Make sure to use promo code radio for your discount and free shipping. Again, go to artscroll.com. Make sure to use promo code radio. Simple as that. Kosher Halftime Show presented by the Rothenberg Law Firm at InjuryLawyer.com. It's happening a week from Sunday. Details, of course, to come. Uh, We've already uh, exposed some of the information regarding the Kosher Halftime Show. More will be coming out. Uh, regarding what we're going to be presenting a week from Sunday. It's war-related. It's a serious kosher halftime show. I'm not kidding. It's a serious kosher halftime show. No jokes, no entertainment, just serious talk and some interesting videos that are going to remind us about what's happening in the Holy Land. Yeah, even during halftime of the Super Bowl, we should remember what's happening in the Holy Land. Um, Speaking of the Super Bowl, our friends at A&H... You know what they're all about? They're all about providing incredibly delicious kosher meat items for our community nationwide. And because so many of us are going to be gathering on February the 11th with family and friends to enjoy the game, make sure you have plenty of A&H at the ready. And that means hot dogs, knockwurst, salami, and, of course, all the other great A&H products. Um, I don't know. I, I cannot forewarn everybody more than I am. I can't. It's impossible. It is, uh, it, it, it is me trying to prevent the situation where people are expecting something delicious at the Super Bowl gathering, and they're disappointed to find out there's no A&H. Load up now. Hot dogs of all varieties, that delicious knockwurst that I can't get enough of, and, of course, delicious salami and all the A&H products. Go to kosherdogs.net, kosherdogs.net. Take a 10% discount with promo code radio. And as I, as I always say, try A&H today. You will be glad you did. And that is for sure. If you haven't supported our uh, 40th anniversary campaign yet, please do so. It ends next week. Again, it's fjbunity.org. fjbunity.org. Want to get as close to our goal as possible. And we thank those who are uh, helping us out by making sure to be part of the uh, list of donors for this year's 40th anniversary campaign. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, oh, I got a, a note from Ralph Rosenbaum about the Young Israel of East Brunswick. Not only is Jason Greenblatt going to be speaking on Saturday night in a fireside chat all about what's happening in the Middle East. If that wasn't enough, you'll also hear on Saturday night at the Young Israel of East Brunswick from the brothers Daniel and Naria Sharabi. 
uh, Nova Festal Warriors that found cover with dozens of others behind an abandoned tank and fought against the terrorists with weapons and ammunition that they found in the tank. They saved countless lives. These heroes are going to be featured as well on Saturday night, February the 3rd, starting at 8 p.m. at the Young Israel of East Brunswick. Uh, make sure if you're in the area, you go and enjoy the presentation. More coming up. You're listening to a Wednesday morning edition of JM in the AM. Shalom Aleichem, Malachi Asharet, Malachi Elion, Mihimelech, Malachi Amlachem, Hakadesh Baruch Hu. Shalom Aleichem, Malachi Asharet, Malachi Elion, Mihimelech, Malachi Amlachem, Hakadesh Baruch Hu. Shalom <laughs> and Rubenstein out of Israel with Shalom Aleichem. Wrapping up the hour. Reminder, tomorrow, Elliot Steinmetz, the coach of the University Maccabees, the men's basketball team, is going to join us. They just beat Manhattanville last night by 13 points. And we're going to be speaking about their incredible trip to Israel recently, which, of course, included so much of the chesed opportunities that are available to those of us who are still traveling to Israel, Baruch Hashem. In addition, Daniel Posner, Daniel Posner, who is the founder of Athletes for Israel, is going to be in studio in Teaneck, New Jersey, tomorrow morning at the same time here at JM and the AM. We'll discuss that amazing initiative. You can imagine those of you who are listeners of this show on a regular basis know my feelings about sports 
and about Israel. You could imagine uh, what Athletes for Israel means to me, and we'll discover more and more about it tomorrow morning with its founder, Daniel, Daniel Posner, who's going to be joining us live in studio right here at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSiegel.com on the NahumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Our friends at Arts Girl have a brand-new book, Angels in Orange, uplifting stories of courage, faith, and miracles from the United Hatzalah Heroes of October the 7th. It's a book written by Rabbi Nachman Seltzer. When you go to artsgirl.com, make sure to use promo code radio for your discount and free shipping. Again, make sure to use promo code radio at at artsgirl.com. You're looking for the book Angels in Orange. Rabbi Nachman Seltzer, who, of course, wrote the book 90 Seconds, uh, he wrote the brand new one, um, Angels in Orange. Check it out and enjoy and with us live via telephone the founder of united hatsala ellie beer is with us on this wednesday morning ellie a pleasure to welcome you back to jm in the am thank you so much booker tov what an amazing book um i mean many stories as the title tells us of courage faith and miracles i get that But what got me about this book more than anything, and you might be surprised to hear this. After all, we're talking about over 300 pages of amazing stories. What got me about this book is how people like yourself had to make decisions that day on October 7th. Many of those decisions could have gone very differently than they did. I mean, you were asking volunteers, and you'll tell us exactly you know, how, what your thought process was, but you were asking volunteers in some cases to embark, or you knew that they would anyway, I should say, to embark on very dangerous situations, and frankly, they could have had very different outcomes. Tell me what it was like being in a position like that and having to make decisions like that on a day like October the 7th. Well, my whole life I had to make decisions. This was probably the most difficult situation I've been ever because not only decision in my own life, I had to make a decision about over a thousand, I would say a thousand twelve hundred volunteers who were headed down to help our existing volunteers who live in the Kibbutzim. Right. And they wanted to go in to help, and we had to decide, should they go in or not? The police said, do not go in. It's a war zone. And they didn't know it was a war zone yet. They said it was terrorists everywhere. And we knew already, we had already one volunteer murdered, one volunteer kidnapped, and who knows what else happened to our volunteers. So we had to make a decision. People inside we knew are surrounded with terrorists, with MK-47s, with RPGs, with grenades and now we're sending more people what really uh, what i realized that these moments sitting in the command center of united atella at 6 45 in the morning like early early in the morning and seeing all of this happening step by step i realized we're going towards something we never saw before and i knew people are, are, are begging for help people were laying there bleeding to death and they needed help so i said you know what what would I do? What would I do? Right. I would go in. You know, I went into the, the worst terrorist attacks in Yerushalayim, in Tel Aviv, in the bus attacks. So 
would I do the same here in, a, in this situation? I said, yes, this is why I was trained to be a United Atsala volunteer. And, and there are a couple of things we should point out. First, those who are not familiar, Ellie was for Yuntif in Yerushalayim and the dispatch center, the main center of United Hatzalah is in Jerusalem. And also, as you just said, when you get to a terror scene, I'm not talking about October the 7th, I'm talking about in general, when you get to a terror scene, you have no idea if you're in danger or not. We know how many times terrorists use the opportunity of the aftermath of an attack to to plan and try to execute another attack or, or do something that'll harm even more people. So th- this is obviously on a much grander scale, but this is the type of activity that you and your responders, you and your volunteers go through every time there's a terrorist attack. Yeah, listen, when you go into a restaurant that just blew up by a terrorist, and I did it so many times, unfortunately, and and, and you never know if they have a ne- next one coming in a second. Right. A third one, we had a situation where the third terrorist uh, bombing and, and, and people were hurt and killed in that third one or second one. So we knew by sending volunteers in, were putting their lives in danger. We had to make the decision. And then my wife, Gitty, um, tells me, Ellie, I'm on the way down south, and she's a paramedic in Atella. She's a paramedic, Kitty, and she says, I'm going in. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you know what? She's going in. And then she stops at the United Atella Center to take a bulletproof vest and helmet on the way out. This is early, early in the morning of Simcha's Torah. And she gives me a hug, and she says, Ellie, I'm going in. This is, could be my last hug. And That moment was like, you know what? We're we're in a situation where I know people need us. I know people are bleeding terribly, and if they don't stop their bleeding, if people don't come with tourniquets, if people don't come with IVs, if volunteers don't show up, they will die. And I said, if I would do that, and I asked the people, we actually told people, you know you're going into your own death, is that, you you agree to do it, and people and every single volunteer said yes. Right, and that and that you know that this was one of the mysteries to us was you know wondering when someone did go down south early in that day, like your wife. You know, they obviously had very little information about what was actually happening. And, and, and what I always thought this book confirmed for me that they would get to scenes and not know whether they were real IDF military people there or, or the enemy dressed up as soldiers because their uniforms, the book confirms, looked very similar to IDF uniforms. It, it was hard to determine just who's a terrorist. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> excuse me, who's a terrorist and who's one of the good guys, so to speak. So this feeling that that we always, <clears throat> excuse me, this feeling that we always wondered, how did people go down and have some type of tactical um, strategy? There was no tactical strategy. They, uh, they just had no, I, you said goodbye to your wife and she went into a situation where she had no idea what she was about to confront. Look, you know, the, the, the danger is both sides. First of all, a lot of the people we were going towards looked like soldiers. They look, we saw generals in the IDF who ended up to be Hamas Nukba fighters. They were dressed as generals. It was a crazy situation. They called us for help. One of our ambulances stopped because they saw a few soldiers on the side of the road with dead people on the road and appointing them to come. The ambulance stopped. This is this was Hamas dressed up generals to IDF, and they were 
pointing out that we need help, we need help. So our volunteers, they were suspicious because everything was, everyone looked suspicious. And some of our volunteers carrying guns on them. Um, and they, and they, 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 they look back to see the soldiers. They see them. They walk, they walk out of the ambulance towards them. And all of a sudden they see the MK-47, you know, showing up and pointing towards them. And that's when they ran back to the ambulance like crazy, jumped inside and just thank God got out of there. When the shooting started, they, they, thank God the shooting hit the ambulance, but no one got killed, no one got hurt. But that's the type of situation we were in. Also the opposite. I myself, the, the, I went into a road and, and they thought that my car, the United Hatsala car, we had 20 special forces um, stopping the road because this is the middle of the night already and they thought that our car was with terrorists because they saw a car stopping on the road and picking up uh, passengers and these were, they, were, they were suspecting it's, it's terrorists and they thought we were terrorists. And could you imagine what kind of chaos went on? Unbelievable. The whole thing is, um, I mean, I don't know how many stories total are in the book, 50, 70, 100, but it, it, these stories are miracles. And then you must know of hundreds of other miraculous stories that took place. This is just some of the stories from that day that are by Nachman Seltzer writes about. Give us a perspective numbers wise, and I, it doesn't matter if these are exact numbers or not. But first of all, the most important number is zero. It, it, it is hard to believe as you read these stories and see what your volunteers and responders were up against, it is hard to believe that nobody who responded on that day, I'm not talking about those who were there or assigned to the festival and, you know, or, or, or were, you know, living in communities that unfortunately got hit. I'm talking about those who drove south or drove in that direction to try to help out. Not one of them was killed, which is absolutely remarkable. Yeah, you know, the... <laughs> It's, it's a very sad situation. We had two volunteers who were murdered that day, but they were living there right. in that area. And they went to respond and they were responding. One of them was living in Kret Malachi, which was right nearby. And Kret Malachi wasn't attacked, but he went in anyways. Um, and uh, the other one was in the, in the festival. There were two other volunteers who were kidnapped and, then we said, should we send more volunteers? And I was like, I was sitting in the command center, making the decision, how many ambulances to send? And we what, said, we're going to send... What time, what time is this around? Around 7, 7.15, we decided to send all our available ambulances from everywhere, meaning from Netanya and down south, to send them to, like, you know, Haifa. We weren't thinking about Haifa. We were thinking about Netanya and, and further down. And we sent 50 ambulances. It's the fully loaded medical supplies. We fill them up on the way. They stop to fill up in every possible way so they have enough equipment. And I said, Hashem, please, I'm sending them down. Please protect them. You know, I wasn't thinking only about Gitti. I was thinking about everyone. Right. And I said, you know, we already suffered from, we had volunteers who were injured. We had Chaim Sassi, Rabbi Chaim Sassi, who was three hours trapped. He couldn't get out and he had a a few bullets in him, like, and thank God he survived, but it took three hours to rescue him. I knew what was well, going was, on. Was Rabbi Sassi the one shot in the foot? I'm just trying to get the stories to remember. Rabbi Chaim Sassi was shot in his face his and face. his foot and, and hand, and thank God he had a bulletproof vest that he was wearing. He was driving an ambicycle, and they wrote on the way to save the policeman at 6.30 in the morning, six, you know, very early, 
And the terrorists, he didn't know they had 25 terrorists. He thought they were one. Right. You know, they said they have a terrorist. You know, usually when you have a terrorist, it's a terrorist. It's mm-hmm. one. Usually mm-hmm. 30 seconds later, someone gets captures them or, or, or kills them. And here we had, when he got there, he saw 25 guys running towards him. He shot him and, and he fell. And next to him was the policeman who was killed. And Chaim was there for three hours. And the miracle story, how he survived. And not only how he survived, while he was attacked, while he was injured, and while he was evacuated, he was saving people's lives. Unbelievable. And it's unbelievable, the stories and what he did on the way. It's The book is very inspirational. It's very it gives you the understanding that you have miracles in every tragedy. You have a lot of miracles and you have to look at these stories to understand that in the end of the day, that day was one of the biggest meetings that we had. That story, by the way, of the, of the errand shot where a soldier's gun just went off by accident and ended up killing a terrorist. That's pretty miraculous. And then you have a story in the book about the uh, uh, about the soldiers that were um, evacuating their tank because they, they thought it was a good security measure. And then the the second tank sees that they've gone ahead and uh, abandoned their tanks. They do the same thing, and the third does the same thing. And of course, you know they're spared because moments later uh, they're being you know their tanks are being shot at. So you know all these stories are. I mean, th- we've heard so much since the start of the war. And the story about the little babies we found right. 13 hours later, two tiny little, tiny little twin babies, 10 months old, little Jewish babies in the Kfar Aza. The, the parents were already murdered early in the morning, and this is 13 hours later, the babies were still alive in their beds, crying. One of the most traumatic stories in my life to know that, you know, these are stories I heard that happened in 1945, 1942, 1943. These are stories that my, you know, our parents and grandparents told us. Yep. And all of a sudden you hear these stories, these two little babies who, uh, who just uh, celebrated a few weeks ago their first, their first uh, birthday and without their parents. And, they're, and these little babies, when I went to visit their family to be to, pay, to Menachem Avo, I met you know, the grandmother, I met the, the, the uncles and aunts, they were hugging me and it was just unbelievable. And they, and I see one of the, the grandmother, the Holocaust survivor, and all of a sudden she has two grandchildren who are Holocaust survivors. This is, you know, unbelievable that we went through this thing. And uh, you hear the story of Shalom, who, how, how he treated the little babies and what he did and how the special forces of the Golani, what they did, it's unbelievable. Ellie Beer is with us, founder of United Hatzalah. The book is called Angels in Orange, Uplifting Stories of Courage, Faith, and Miracles from the United Hatzalah Heroes of October the 7th. Rabbi Nachman Seltzer is the author. Go to artscroll.com for details. Are the, uh, are the two chatufim, are the two kidnapped responders still in the hands of the enemy? Yes, we have, um, we have now uh, Bilev Yehud, um, who left his family in Mir Oz. He's a Hatzalah volunteer. He actually got an award a few weeks before as one of the top, one of the most active volunteers in the area. Um, Otef Aza, Mir Oz was a third of the kibbutz was either kidnapped or killed, a third. Ooh, the worst situation that if you could imagine, in one kibbutz, everyone, everyone was sitting shiver there. And, um, and, and he left his family, and then a month and a half later, you know, he was never, he was kidnapped, of course. We don't know where he is. He's in Gaza. 
A month and a half later, he has a baby boy. He had, his wife had a baby boy. And of course, he doesn't know he had a baby. He doesn't know if his wife's alive. No one knows. Always, don't forget these people were kidnapped. A lot of them don't even know what's going on. They think the Hamas are actually making them understand and, and lowering their spirits as much as possible and telling them their families all died and their and Israel is over. You know, like they, he doesn't even know that he has a wife with the his four. You know, he has four kids. He left when he had three, and now he has four. <sighs> Was there um, was there additional apprehension on your part when you either encouraged or agreed that those who are not normally in Israel should go into the Gaza envelope? I'm specifically talking about a first responder who was visiting Israel from New York, and he consulted with you, and you spoke to him as much as you could calmly interact in that first hour after the discovery about what was going on. And essentially he, as a Hatzalah volunteer, who I would think is even less familiar with things like this, because again, he's based in New York. He ends up going and becoming part of some of the miraculous activities of that day. Was that a more difficult decision for you? Different? How would you describe it? Well, we're talking about a paramedic in, in Hatzalah here. Hatzalah in New York is a, you know, not when we're, we're in the same name, but it's a separate organization. So right. I actually, Hatzalah of New York, a lot of volunteers were in Hatzalah New York, we're in Israel. And he, I saw him in Yerushalayim and I say to him in the early in the morning running because they had the sirens. And I say, he's a paramedic. He's not a regular EMT. Most of the Hatzalah volunteers in Israel and in America are EMTs. Right. And we all, we had thousands of EMTs willing to go. So I didn't want to danger anyone who's not a paramedic. Paramedic is a higher level. Charles Grow is a volunteer paramedic for over 30 years in New York, been to World Trade Center, been to really bad events in, in, in New York. He lives in five towns. And he was there in front of my eyes. I said, Charles, get your stuff. You're going down south. We need you. We needed more paramedics. This is intervention that you could do only paramedics could do intubate the people to do a needle uh, to release uh, air pressure in the chest and many things that we needed intervention. I knew because of the gun wounds and everything. So he right away said goodbye to his family and his family, his grandchildren, his his kids. And he jumped on one of the ambulances and he went south and uh, he saved many lives. Uh, Um, Charles, he said, never in his life he imagined a thing like this could happen. He came back shivering, literally shivering. He was not the same person when he came back. Yeah, I would assume most people are not the same. That must be interesting to you, by the way, and this is nothing new for you because you've been through so many of these episodes, but it must be interesting to see which responders, you know, wake up the next morning, you know, with, with ease and, you know, able to move on through life and which ones are, you know, affected to a degree that it's debilitating, right? I mean, you've seen, obviously, the entire gamut when it comes to that type of reaction, right? Look, we, we assume right away that no one's going to come back the same. We, we, we prepared ourselves during that day with over 500 psychologists and, psychi- and psychiatrists and, and professional 
psychotrauma uh, people who are in the United Atzala as ready for every day to go out, but we prepare them to start treating our own people, every single person, including myself, including other, everyone had to go through sessions and speak to these people because we knew every single neshama is affected. There was not one person that could say, I am strong, I can't. You saw babies burnt. You saw, you saw the worst things you could imagine. This is stuff that you, you didn't even, you don't see in movies these things. And you see them live. And we knew that we're going to have a lot of volunteers that this is going to affect their life. And we said, let's not, take a, let's not take a danger. And actually, in the Knesset, in Israel, a few weeks later, they were praising United Hatzalah for doing this. We were helping volunteers not only from our organizations, from other organizations who needed help, that they didn't have that help available. And we just helped every single organization. We offer them. We have a psychotrauma unit. We have a dog, special canine psychotrauma unit dog that helps people snap out of their trauma and bring them back to reality. It's some of them, we, we have a few, unfortunately, that are traumatized that are going through intense treatment. This could take years, but we want to make sure no one, it's, it's like really first aid for the neshama. Ali, let me read this for a moment because there's a page here uh, in the book. book is called Angels in Orange, everybody. And it, it says the following. It was a day Dovi Mizell. We've spoken to Dovi on the air. It was a day Dovi Mizell would never forget. With all his experience, and he had been everywhere and seen everything, from collapsing wedding halls to major terrorist attacks, from national disasters in Nepal and Turkey to the calamity at Mehron, absolutely nothing compared to what he was seeing from the live feeds being sent to them from the cameras on the front and back of every United Hatsala ambulance. Ellie, you got to speak to this for a moment, especially because I, I get it that certain things are left out of this book. Believe me, I get it. Uh, the book is done in a tasteful way, and I understand that. But you and Dovi and so many others have been everywhere, whether it's Haiti, whether it's the, the terrible tragedy of Mehron, earthquake victims. I mean, you've seen some really, really rough stuff. Could you just, could you just again reiterate to this audience that with everything you've seen in your life as a first responder, nothing compares to the brutality and the animalistic behavior of the enemy on Simchat Torah? He's a tzaddik. He's a paramedic. Uh, he's uh, in charge of all the operations of the United Hotel in Israel throughout the Golan Heights down to Eilat. And he'd been to everything, really everything. Everyone, every, I always make a f- fun of him. I say, when everyone's running away, you're running towards. And he's seen a bus blow up in Yerushalayim, in Machne Yehuda. He runs in, and the first thing he sees is his uncle killed in that bus. His uncle was just made Aliyah from Cleveland, died in that bus, and he's trying to save him. So he's seen a lot. And if you count everything we saw, for 35 years. I'm doing this since I'm 15 years old. The first terrorist attack was in Rehov Yafo number 30. When I was 15 years old, I was treating. I saw a terror attack when I was six years old on a bus in Bayad Fagan, number 12 bus. So I've been to things, I've seen things. If you put everything together, you wouldn't even get close to what we saw October 7th, Simcha's Torah. And we, we thought it was really, at one point, we couldn't believe, you know, when the numbers started count, when we started counting the number, Dovi and I were sitting in the command center. Dovi left his family in a frat. His sons had the bar mitzvah. That Shabbos, his son was supposed to go up for, for, for the Torah. Literally that of day. Course. Literally that day. That day, yeah. They had a beautiful event. They had the whole family. 
they prepare the son, and all of a sudden Dovi gets a beep, and I, I called him actually. I said, Dovi, you know what's going on? And I knew already right away because somehow Dovi was busy with his bar mitzvah, I, and he was getting ready to go to shul. I said, Dovi, jump into your car, say goodbye to your family. Something bad is happening. I didn't even know how bad it was. And Dovi jumped into his car, was in Yushalayim within 20 minutes from Efrat, inside our command center. And when he came in, we had to really discuss the situation and we started counting the dead people. That's how we knew how bad it is. We, every volunteer from every area had to give us a countdown. And when the numbers didn't make sense, when we got to over 200, I said something is wrong with counting the same people. Like something is wrong. And Dobie right. says, no, we're counting different, it's different places. I said, no, I want to start all over again. When we got to 300, I, was, I started crying. I said, it can't be. We never had a situation with this. You know, the, the, the Mayron tragedy, we had 45 people. And that, that hurt Israel forever. You're talking about 300 dead people, civilians, children, women. Not like a, like a young kid. This was worse for, for us than anything we ever heard. And all of a sudden, when the numbers got, and got to 1,000, I, I, I collapsed. I couldn't hold it anymore. I said, it can't be. And that was that. That's what we were going through in the command center. But going through numbers and making decisions. The hardest decision we had, besides sending in the volunteers, we have two, three United Hatzalah helicopters. One situated in Eilat, and the two others in in, the, in Israel itself, and in in the Negev and up north. We had to make a decision to bring these helicopters in. The, the Air Force of Israel said, do not bring your helicopters up. Don't do that. It's too dangerous. Uh, missiles, thousands of missiles are flying. Our pilots, who are all Air Force people, originally Air Force, and they have these uh, most sophisticated helicopters with everything you can imagine inside, like an ICU inside, like a real ICU. Um, with, you could operate people inside. And they were ready to go. And the, and the pilot says, we don't care. We're going up anyways. Never happened before. The helicopters just go on the air with, against orders. They went in. We said, they asked us, should we go up? Should we go up? I said, if you feel comfortable to go, just go. Because it was a chaos. The, the Air Force said, don't go. They didn't, know what, they didn't understand the situation down, down on the ground. And they went in anyways. And they saved many soldiers that otherwise would not survive. Every single per person we put on that helicopter, and we had to make decisions. We had only room for two patients, right. two injured people in every helicopter. And we had a doctor, Shlomo Gensler, who was down on the floor with Adam Allen, two doctors, had to do the triage. Who will be surviving and going on the helicopter and who not? Because there was two, we had to get them into the hospitals in Tel Aviv. They didn't have room in the hospitals in, in the South. So it was a really, it was a decision that the doctors had to make that unfortunately some decisions, you know, they, they decided not to transfer some of the patients because they knew the chances of survival were so low. Ellie Beer is with us. Uh, the book is called Angels in Orange. We can't recommend it enough. You'll, you'll see and read so many of these incredibly miraculous stories. Um, what's it, I mean, you describe what it's like being in the dispatch center and counting the dead. We, we understand the severity and the enormity of that, but what's it like being in the dispatch center and hearing from people who are hiding in rooms and who are 
with relatives who've been injured and they're not quite sure what to do and they're begging somebody to come and save them. I mean, that must be one of the most eerie experiences to be sitting there in Jerusalem and getting these types of communications. It was terrible. It was terrible. Mothers were crying and begging us to come. They, they were calling everyone. They were calling, they were trapped for hours. They were calling the police. They couldn't get help. The police just said, we can't help you manage on your own. The, the, the police collapsed because the police were, were attacked from the Hamas knew where they're going. Right. The first place they went is to the police station. Right. Um, the army bases, unfortunately, down south, you know, were conquered by, by terrorists. Yep. And they couldn't help. So we had to get, we got phone calls of parents who said, we're hiding our children, you know, um, in, the, in, in the bomb shelter, in the closets, underneath the, the thing, in the, in the, in the boydom, which is in the, in the, in the attic or, or anywhere they could, in, in a wash machine. I'm hiding my son in the wash machine. My address is so-and-so. I'm going out to the terrace because I know if not, they're going to go into my house and catch my kids. This is what parents were telling me. They want to protect their kids. They were willing to die, but their kids should not get hurt. Oh. And people died actually saving their own children. Yep. I got to end on a positive note if possible. We know with Simchas Torah, reminding our listeners around the world that uh, Shemini Atzeres and Simchas Torah are together in Israel. What we know as two days, of course, is really one day. It's, it's we who are the aberration. And that means that on that Shabbos of Shemini Atzeres, one of the things that we traditionally do is make sure that every man gets an aliyah. Now, you're in the dispatch center, and obviously the majority of the people who are around you had not been to shul that morning, understood. But at some point, someone says, you know what, today is Simchas Torah. Only the Jewish people can do this in the throes of hundreds of our brothers and sisters being murdered by the enemy on that day. Tell me what that part of the day at the dispatch center was like. It was surreal. It was something that you can't, if you put it in a movie, uh, we actually had an Arab Hatzalah volunteer in the dispatch taking a video of this because it was so unreal. What happened was, like, Shkia was about to happen. Like, Shkia was like five minutes I mean, Shabbos, Shabbos was going to be over in a half hour. Yeah, Shabbos and Kastor is over. And all of a sudden, Eli Polak, the CEO of United Hatzalah, runs in with a Sephardic Sefer Torah. And he said, Eli, you need us to go up for the Torah. Everyone here, no one went up for the Torah today with Simchat Torah. And I said, Ellie, it's not the time now. He says, five minutes left for, for a thing. I'm going to re- get it ready. Jump out of your seat. Just make a bracha and go back to your seat. And, okay, he put the Sefer Torah right in the command center, in the <laughs> dispatch center of United Hatzalah. <laughs> and he starts feeding the Zosah bracha. And... He reads it like a little, 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 you know, like fast, and everyone goes slowly. Yeah, I, it's my turn. I'm Hasantari here for me. <laughs> and I'm just like, I never been, I don't think I ever been Hasantari. I never, you know, wanted It's always, it's always the kiddish involved in, in this. I said, you it's know, it's complicated. Hasantari is complicated. <laughs> yeah. And, and, he, and, he, and he gives me the Hasantari, and I am like running there, and it's not my mind. Like, what are you doing? What kind of, 
for me, it was like, what? This is there is more important things in this. But he says you must do it. And all of a sudden, I went up to the Torah. It was like once one minute the whole aliyah. But then I said I need to do the tefillah for the soldiers, the davening for the soldiers. And I and and I started crying when I was doing it. It was like so. I knew my son Israel is fighting now. My son was in the army that day. My son is in special forces. Israel, he's 20 years old. He finished training right before circus, a year and a half training for the best unit in the army, one of the best. And he was in there. He was fighting that day. He was rescuing soldiers who were trapped. And he was fighting face-to-face with soldiers. And I'm thinking about my son and all the rest of the soldiers who were needed a refuah because we knew already how many soldiers were, were killed and injured. And that was like one of the moments of my life that I never forget saying for the soldiers, Mishiberach for the soldiers. And that was, that was a moment. Um, and uh, going back to the command center after that Aliyah gave me a lot of kochos. I had a lot of strength. I, and I still have strength from that moment of being a chasen Torah this year. The Jewish people are something. Yeah. And by the way, I just want to remind you, Nachum, you interviewed me last time for the book 90 Seconds. Right. Which Rabbi Nachum Seltzer wrote too. Sure. And was ended up a bestseller, 90 Seconds. So a lot of people who did not read it yet should should get that book too. It's oh. also um art school book, 90 Seconds. 100%. We continue to recommend it to everybody. It's, uh, it is a bestseller, and it deserves to be a bestseller. Uh, Ellie, as I said to you earlier off the air, I look forward to reuniting with you in Jerusalem. Uh, what can I say other than HaKadosh uh, Baruch the one above, is certainly watching over all of us, but it does seem from this book that he's really watching over those who care about others. And in this case, it's the uh, United Hatzalah Volunteers who are the uh, target of these incredible stories of courage, faith, and miracles from October to 7th. Please send our best to all of them, and thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thank you, and I just want to say one last thing before I get off air. There is many Hatzalah volunteers from all around the world who are doing a great job, each one individually in America, in New York, in Lakewood, and in in anywhere. You know, so many Hatzalah groups around. Every single one of them is independent. United Hatzalah is an independent organization in Eretz Yisrael, it's called, it's on our website is israelrescue.org. Um, so if you want to know more about it, israelrescue.org. But you could definitely uh, appreciate all the work that Hatzalah does worldwide in every community. And they are incredible people too. Yeah, don't have to convince us. We know you're 100% right. Ellie, call like a vote and thanks. Thank you so much. Ellie Beer, founder, United Atzala, IsraelRescue.org. Book is called Angels in Orange, Uplifting Stories of Courage, Faith, and Miracles from United Hatzalah members, uh, heroes rather, of October the 7th. Written by Nachman Seltzer, who is the author of the uh, book 90 Seconds, which we also highly recommend. Go to artscroll.com. Make sure to use promo code radio for your discount and free shipping. Again, go to artscroll.com. Purchase 90 Seconds, Purchase Angels in Orange, both written by Rabbi Nachman Seltzer. Artsgirl.com for details. Make sure to use promo code radio. More coming up. It's a Wednesday morning edition of JM in the AM.
Remy Roth and the Tfilah uh, Shlom Chayaleid Sahal. That was some uh, heavy conversation with Ellie Beer, to say the least. Again, the book is uh, entitled Angels in Orange. Go to artscroll.com. Make sure to use promo code radio. Wow, that was uh, an intense conversation. 
got to lighten things up a bit. That's why our next guest has been invited to the air. I'll explain that in a moment. Tomorrow, tomorrow, Daniel Posner, the founder of Athletes for Israel, and Elliot Steinmetz, the coach of the University men's basketball team, will both be our guests here at JM and the AM. Daniel Posner will be in studio with us. Uh, talk about uh, Athletes for Israel. It's a uh, an effort that I am totally behind now that I'm familiar with it. And we'll find out more about it tomorrow morning here at JM in the AM. So make sure to be tuned in. Yussi's Weig with a uh, Wednesday live lunch coming up starting at 11 a.m. Eastern time today, 11 until 1 o'clock. If you haven't supported our 40th anniversary campaign yet, please go to the website, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Become a donor and supporter of our 40th anniversary campaign, and I thank you very, very much for that. And a big thank you to those who have already committed. Much appreciated. This coming Saturday night at the Young Israel of East Brunswick, it's going to be Jason Greenblatt discussing what's happening now in the Middle East, plus a couple of heroes from Israel, brothers who are heroes of October the 7th. Uh, They're going to be speaking as well on Saturday night, Young Israel of East Brunswick. Information, go to our website, Community Calendar, at uh, the following address, nachomsegel.com slash community-calendar, nachomsegel.com slash community-calendar. The info for the event is up there as we speak. Well, we've had a, um, we had an interesting question regarding kosher wine. I was speaking with Mendy Mark across the street at Filler Up here on West Englewood Avenue in Teaneck, New Jersey, and I had one of the baffling an absolutely baffling question that I brought to his attention, and he said he was not qualified to answer it. So he suggested that we do what we always do, and that is uh, speak with the number one kosher wine sommelier on the entire planet and to get his perspective on this important kosher wine question. And with that in mind, we introduce, in fact, the world's number one kosher wine sommelier the one the only jay Buxbaum. well my friend uh, you're going to be on the hot seat today you're going to be the uh, target of a very complicated wine question i hope you're ready for the challenge i hope so oh boy you said you said a little uh I'm nervous. you sound a little worried frankly yes it's like you used to say in williams blake i'm nervous I uh, good old Williamsburg. By the way, speaking of Jewish communities and neighborhoods, I wanted to point out that if you go to our community calendar, there's an experience Elizabeth Shabbaton going on this coming weekend, um, Friday and Shabbos, February the 2nd and 3rd. And the rumor is that you have something to do with this experience, I, Elizabeth Shabbaton. I do. You want to, a little bit. You want to shed a little light on it for us? Oh, there's, you know, I, I, I've been living here. I still feel like a newbie here, but I've been living here 20 some odd years. Wow. Is it right? And I never, it, you know, and it's a solid, good, you know, group of people here, but it never like, like took off like zoom bang to the moon, you know? And, uh, you know, it's, it's less than an hour from everywhere, literally, you know, a half an hour from midtown Manhattan, less than an hour to Lakewood, less than an hour to the five towns. You know, 20 Brooklyn. minutes to Teaneck, Brooklyn, to 35 minutes to Brooklyn. And it's just amazing. And it's right next to the airport. And it's, it's got 
you know, four different restaurants and mikvahs and wise and it's got everything and it's reasonably priced still. <laughs> so, um, and it's still solid, you know, and it's got an amazing yeshiva system, the JEC system, brewery, it's just amazing. Um, so this weekend, there's going to be a whole bunch of people coming, young families that are looking to move here. So and I hope they do. Are you going to be one? Oh, and what do I have to do with it? So oh, Friday night, there's a great, there's a wonderful Oneg. Guess where the wine is coming from? Ah, straight from the Booksbaum wine cellar. <laughs> exactly. Are you pulling out the good stuff? Pulling out the good stuff. Every wine, every bottle, at least a hundred bucks. Oh gosh, you know. <laughs> anyway, so experience Elizabeth, everybody. Jay and Brenda invite you, as do many other couples in the Elizabeth area, to see how incredible a community it is. And by the way, the central location—that's something I never really considered. Because there are a lot of communities that that sell people on that. That they're an easy trip to Brooklyn, an easy trip to Lakewood. But I don't know if anybody can make the claim more than you guys, frankly. Nobody. It's yeah. crazy. And especially now, it seems like half the events in the Jewish world are in Lakewood. So, you know, there are people who are back and forth from there, you know, constantly. Right. Even Baltimore. If you have an, a wedding in Baltimore, for you, it's a much less of a drive than... Uh, right. It's less than three hours. Pretty amazing. Anyway. Two hours and 40 minutes. Information, yeah. the whole thing, all the contact info, go to NahumSiegel.com slash community dash calendar, NahumSiegel.com slash community dash calendar. You'll see the event there. Uh, under February the 2nd with the full poster, flyer, etc., etc. All right, Jay, here's the story. Let me get to uh, the point here. You know that we um, we um, we get we get into certain, you know, wine habits. And um, our friends at Barton, I never thought that Bartonura would make a product that I'd enjoy more than their regular Moscato. You know the blue bottle, the Moscato, very, very popular. And the reason you're on is because your company and Bartonur are like, you know, are connected at the hip, right? I mean, you're joined at right. the hip. Right. And uh, you guys, you know, constantly take care of each other. Um, obviously, Kedem takes care of Bartonur here in the United States, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I never thought Bartonur would make a product that I enjoy more. And believe me, I still love the blue bottle but I enjoy more than their regular Moscato. And what am I talking about? Bartonura has cans of wine. That's right. You heard me correctly. They have cans of wine. Go into a liquor store like the one across the street. You'll, you'll see them there. They have cans of wine in four varieties. They have the regular Moscato in a can. They have a rosé in a can. They have a peach flavored in a can. And then they have one in a can that is now my favorite Bartonura wine. That's the lychee. Have you tasted it, the lychee Bartonura? I have. Okay. You agree with me that there's something about it? It, it may be the it's, best. The, the cans are delicious. No, but at that specific variety, it may be the best of all four. Okay. Do you agree? You wouldn't, you wouldn't rank them with that one number one. You would still, what, keep the blue bottle number one? If you ranked the four of them, which would be your number one? The blue bottle. It would be. Wow, interesting. Anyway, so mine now is the lychee. Like, if I'm buying, you know, if I'm buying the uh, you know what what you call soda and i call wine for shabbos so i'm gonna, i'm going to go for the lychee that's the one and so i'm in filler up west englewood avenue you know mr mendy mark mendy's great nice gentleman what a wonderful guy knows how to service the customers knows how to you know knows exactly what our needs are 
So I walk into the store, and he knows I know nothing about wine. He knows that this is a ruse that for 30 years I make believe I know something about wine, and you make me look good each time, you know, the whole thing. You know, he's into the whole routine. He gets it. And I say to him, I ask him a question, and when I ask him the question, he says to me, I have no idea. You must get Jay Bookspam on the air and address this question. What was my brilliant question? Can you explain to me how in the orth- when you're trying to attract an Orthodox Jewish crowd and turn people on to more varieties of wine, why the Bartonura Moscato is available in both bottle and can, but the lychee, rosé, and peach, and again, lychee being my favorite, are only available in cans. And Jay, I remind you, I remind you, this is not a halachic discussion now, but I do remind you that there is a large, I don't know if it's the majority or not, but there is a large percentage of the observant Jewish community that will never open up a can on Shabbos. I happen to open them. So for me, having the lychee can is, is no big deal. I open the can, I make Kiddush. But there are plenty of people who don't do that on Shabbos. Why, if you're trying to attract with new varieties, the, the crowd that has really embraced your first variety of wine, the blue bottle, why would you not make those three varieties available in glass, in bottle form? This has stumped all of us, Jay. And again, from what I was told by the expert on West Englewood Avenue, you are the only one who might have an answer to this question. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to give you a, and, and make sure you write this word down because you could use it at your next cocktail party. Yeah. I'm going to give you a surmise Wow. Ready for a surmise? Yes, go right ahead. So I don't know the exact, I mean, I think this is the exact answer, but it's it's really curious that you asked me that question today because just a few days ago, we got a message from our erstwhile really wonderful president, Mr. Yoichi Nathan Herzog, right. telling everybody and reminding everybody, wait a minute, guys, be careful about how you um, how you get the stores and the supermarkets to advertise Bartonura because some of the cans are not, I'll repeat, not kosher for Pesach. Right. Right. By the way, now, we've had this with other things as well. Exactly. Yeah. So now, now, truth be told, what they are they are not certified for Pesach. And although, according to some, I believe, again, it doesn't matter what I believe, but I believe that um, it's not recommended for Pesach. And the reason for that is, is that the source of the, of the flavor may be not acceptable to all parties. Got it. And so, therefore, in order to have the highest common denominator, I don't want to use the lowest common right. denominator, we do not certify it for Pesach, and we do not recommend it for Pesach. And any of the and cans or just those three other varieties? Those three other varieties. Okay, got it. Hence, right, imagine if you want to put it on a bottling line where everything is kosher for Pesach. Interesting. That's the reason. That could be, the, like I said, it's a surmise. But I believe that is the reason. Wow. Yes, you can't. Wow, Pesach ruins things again. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, so that's why the can that is the regular can, the non-flavored, which is kosher for Pesach, right. no problem. Right. But the, but the stuff that 
is not kosher for Pesach, you don't want to have to, you know, kasha the line and then do it again. And so you know, they, it's, they it's, have to make the bartenura regular. They got to make the moscato on a different can line, or or just make sure to clean exactly. it properly, right? Or oh, wow. or they do that first, right? Or they do it first, right? They do Very that first. Very interesting. So now it takes me back because you, do you remember why do I say that we've had this problem before? Because I'm, again, I, I don't know if this number is correct. You could tell me if I'm way off or not, but probably 99% of kosher wine that comes out of your company is kosher of Pesach. Is 99 a bad number? Like, is that way too high or not? No, it's way too low. <laughs> no, oh, seriously. So I mean, there's like, there's like literally, we have like 800 varieties of wines. And the 99% I think, are, I think four right. are not. So you if know, you so. remember, uh, you remember there was a company that you were associated with that released a fruity wine. In a bottle, and I believe, and I don't. And now, 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 I'm wondering: was the problem that it wasn't kosher Pesach, or the problem was it was shahakal, and you couldn't make kiddush on it? No, no, it was wasn't kosher Pesach. You're talking that LV sangria. No, oh, I remember the LV one, but wasn't there a Morad? Wasn't there a Morad bottle that was fruity wine? It you know, could be. I don't. I don't. I think they were all kosher with Pesach. Yeah, you though, see that right. now. Now I think I'm making a mistake. I don't think it was a Pesach problem. I think it was can you make kiddush on it? Problem. Oh right, right, right. That could be. Yeah, because it's really a shahakal. You can't make kiddush. Right, on it. it's all fruit. We, we just right. assume something that you produce and it's called wine is going to be all right for kiddush, but it's not the case, right? Right. All right. So that's quite. So now, does that mean? And by the way. Do you hear this from a lot of people? Am I right that the majority? No, this is the first. I actually, even even the answer to it is, you know, is something I just kind of figured out on my own. No, but did a majority of people tell you that they won't open a can on Shabbos, or it's not as many as I think? No, I don't know. I open cans on Shabbos. Right, that's so. what I'm wondering. I don't know. I don't know if you know if they, if it's very common or not so common. I'm not sure. You got to go. You got to go further south in New Jersey to right. have that problem more often. <laughs> by, by the way, that's not always true. That's not you always get my true. Drift. No, I do get your drift, but that may not be true because sometimes Brooklyn and Lakewood do things differently. So I'm not so sure it's south. It may be yeah, north. It's true. Yeah, it's it, might, true. it might be north. But anyway, here's my point. It is now five seven eight four. Is it possible right. during 5785 we will get my wish and there'll be bottled lychee wine from Bartonura? Or you're, or likely, if you're right about how you've surmised the situation, it's likely going to stay this way? No, I think just like um, uh, LV Sangria is used to not be recommended for Pesach and now it is. Right. I think it's just a matter of finding the right, uh, you know, the right... Uh, um, flavoring that everybody everybody agrees is okay of course we want to make it all and, and, once, and once that so happens there's no so there's no and once that happens you'll see it all and there'll be bottles once that happens I, i'm guessing yeah i mean it's going to be a marketing decision at that right. point but uh, yeah i don't see why not did you finish all the pesach runs already i mean it is oh, it gosh. is it is january 31st you know yeah and it's january 31st and and you know pesach is late Right, you know, it's like late. the old uh, what's oh. his name? Yeah, but old, this year it's really, really late, really late. You know, it's the old uh, Jackie Mason routine. Right. Our holidays are never on time; they're early, they're late, but they're no, never but, on time. But this you know? year, I think it ends April thirtieth, which is really late. Yeah, it does. It does. It does. Anyway, so this is not the normal year. In other words, in a normal year, you would be finished with Pesach by now, but this year you're not because it's so much later, or what? Yeah, we're not finished yet. All right. We're not finished yet. I mean, we're in the throes of it, but we're not finished by by a long shot. By the way, I don't know if you're. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, I think it is your company. Don't you bring it in? 
What's that? You know which wine I'm into like crazy now? What? Drimia. Drimia? Yeah, do I have it right? Am I doing it right? I don't know. Hang on a second. I'm not familiar with it. Let me look it up one second. Um... Yeah, wouldn't it be fun? Well, I've done this to you before where I tell you about a wine it ends up not being your wine. That's <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, Drimia, D-R-I-M-I-A. No, not familiar with it. I would love to taste it. Is it red, white? It's red. Green? And it's made in the Judean hills of Susia. Okay, Drimia. Okay, I'm going to have to check it out. And... Um, one of the reasons I got into it is because I was informed that the owner is now alone because the entire staff is in the army. Oh boy. So I figured, you know what? I should give this a shot. You always say buy Israeli wine, especially now. Of course. So, of I, course. so I bought this one and it was really, really good. So uh, use that at your next cocktail party, that little wine tip from Nahum Siegel. There you go. In fact, at the experience Elizabeth Shabbaton, you should walk around telling people, hey, I was speaking to my friend, wine connoisseur Nahum Siegel, and he was uh, recommending the following. <laughs> Jay never thought he'd hear the word connoisseur. And you know, I want Siegel you to know, we got, I got, sense. I can't tell you, I can't tell you who, but we, I got a call from a really major newspaper, very, very well known yeah. national newspaper. And, um, they asked me about, they wanted to explore the business aspect of how the, the conflict is affecting the Israeli wineries. Right. And it's, it's fascinating because, and this is just a quick one, if you, if you want, we can do this at a different time. No, but go ahead, I want to hear this. The, the, the harvest had already taken place by the time the war began. Right. So all the grapes were in. So they were all, you know, the questions are always, oh, are we going to have wine this year because, you know, the conflict, but the, all the grapes are in. But the problem people don't realize is, is that after the grapes came in, someone's got to move the, you know, got to pump the grapes from the juice someone's from one tank make the to wine. another. Exactly. And so many wineries are suffering. You know, and this is a, you know, a shout out to my brother, Parrots. It's wonderful. People are donating money and people are going there to visit, you know, the, the, the wounded and, and so on. But you know what? Go there and donate your time to a factory that doesn't have its workers, to a winery that doesn't have its winemakers, to a, you know, I mean, actually get that, you know, sweep the streets where people who used to are just not available um, I think I think they really need that. And so when you talked about this this winery where the guys there all on his own, I mean, I speak to Amichai Luria from Shiloh, and he tells me the same thing. He says, "Jay, I mean, it's wonderful, but now I, I was always pretty much, you know, a one man operation, but now I'm really a one man operation, I and mean, it's just crazy." And when will we feel the effects of this? In other words, if if the timing was was you know. Not that the timing of any terror attack is good, but you know what I mean. If the timing of this did not affect the wine industry the way some of our, uh, some of the people may think, um, when will no, we, I, I, will, will we, we not have something next year? Will we feel a slowdown? Will there be? You're gonna you're gonna see. I I I think it's gonna be a few more months before we know the answer to that because 
they're still struggling and somehow uh, very often they're getting through making the wine. But I still think you're going to see this in the next few months. We'll know. I think you're going to see some problems with this, you know, the next release of wines. But I think the biggest issue is going to be, and, and people are not talking about this as much as they should. You know, everybody's talking about Gaza. What about the Golan? Right. You know, no, you can't even there. go into the vineyards over there because of Hezbollah. Right. You know, people, you know, know about Gaza, but now the pruning and all the things that have to be done to prep for the next vintage can't be done uh, in an awful lot of places can't be done in the Golan. Whole, whole, whole neighborhoods, of course, are empty. Tens of thousands of people have been displaced up in the north. Everybody talks about the south, which they should be, but the, the north is really suffering these days in a very real daily basis. It's not like, you know, um, the, you know, the erstwhile, erstwhile, the once in a while rockets that, that, you know, go into Tel Aviv or to Jerusalem or to whatever. It, it's completely whole areas are, are empty yeah. up there it's a good point so, and as you always point out to us we don't realize just how much uh, of israel is a wine country there's a lot of areas of israel that are right, wine country right, right. the golan prominent among them where are you traveling to this week are you staying put or are you traveling actually well this week i'm staying this actually i was uh this next week i'm going to be in pittsburgh oh you're going to pittsburgh i'm going to pittsburgh you'll yeah. be on murray avenue I'll be on Murray Avenue. I'll be visiting Murray Avenue Kosher. Right. We're going to be doing a fine wine dinner uh, there with a whole bunch of fancy guys. In the store itself? No, I think we're going to be doing it at someone's home. Oh, cool. They have, Aryeh, Aryeh Markovic's home, perhaps. They, they have good Who, beef. by the way, just had a baby, so Mazel, mazel tov. They have good beef jerky in Murray Kosher. Oh, they do. And uh, there's also a Kosher Dunkin' Donuts there now. I don't know if you know that. I did not know that. Yeah, fully kosher Dunkin' Donuts. I forgot what street. When did that happen? It's like a, a couple of years ago. It's like around the corner from, from Murray Avenue Kosher. It's like two blocks down, but it's not on Murray. It's I forgot what street it's on. Okay. So you could check you can that check out. It out. And uh, so Pittsburgh, that's it, huh? Nothing else? No, not for now. That's it. You're sting you're, Oh, and then I'm going to Canada. What city? A week, after, a week or so after that. Um, Montreal. Uh, Toronto, excuse me. Interesting. It's very cold up there, by the way. Toronto. I'm worried about you, Jay. It's very cold. Toronto. You know, it's one word. Toronto. Very worried about you, Jay. It's freezing up there. Oh, Jay is near. I'll bundle up. I would hope. I'll bundle up, mommy. And uh, what else do I want to ask you? So that covers that. We spoke for a moment about Pesach. It's a situation in Israel. Now we have an update in terms of the wineries there. And um, anything you want to recommend before we uh, before we leave Just the air? Yeah, I, I'm just going to recommend, and you know, I've been doing this on my big reveals on Saturday night, but, you know, spend time, try to, to drink Israeli wines, support Israeli wineries, and, and most of all, prayers for our brothers and sisters. Amen to that. How do I get onto one of those uh, reveals on Saturday night? Come on over. Come for Shabbos. If I come for Shabbos, you'll actually put me on? You'll be the big reveal, I, and baby, you are some big reveal, man. And and I, would would I have to uh, utilize the opportunity to uh, recommend a delicious kosher wine? Would that be my role? Absolutely, hmm. that would be your role. Maybe I'll do the lychee from Bartonura. Maybe. Yeah, that's a good. It's a good option. It's a good suggestion. 
By the way, just yeah. for the, your consumers, and you got a lot of them, obviously, all of them are consumers out there. There's a lot of sales right now because the the stores are supporting Israel too. So the retail stores are, are putting out tremendous sales on wines from Israel. You mean right by now. the case so, or by the bottle? Both. And that means big, bigger savings than traditionally by the case? Yes. And this is across the board? Yes. Gosh, I got to go shopping now. Yeah, I'm telling you. You think, you think Mendy, and, and, uh, you you Mendy Marcus is ready for me? Kudos to the Herzogs for that because they actually discounted, you know, to the retailers, which we they sell, we sell to, these, you know, every single Israeli wine was on sale from us to them. And so, therefore, they're doing the same from them to the consumer. So. Wow. I'll tell you. People are making sacrifices to make sure to keep the Israeli market as active as possible worldwide. It's pretty you cool. Bet. You bet. You're not traveling. Any, you're not going to Bayonne today, are you? I am. You want to stop at, uh, you want to meet up at American Dream Mall, me and you today? When? What time? I don't have to find out. Today's the curling championship, and they're doing it at the American Dream Mall. Yeah, maybe. Are you into curling? I, I'm curl, well, <laughs> let's not go there. <laughs> well, no, I'm talking about the sport. I understand what you're talking about. Are you, you understand are, what I'm talking are about. You at all, are, you, are you at all familiar with the sport? I am I, I'm aware of it, and I know how they like turn this thing that slides on the ice. Right. So they're yeah. doing. So the championship is 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 this week at the American Dream Mall. Wow! And I need, if I really am going to go watch a curling championship, I need someone to go with. <laughs> need someone to curl with, huh? Well, I need someone to to accompany me. I hear you. I don't know if they would allow us to sit there and drink kosher wine. Maybe who knows? Why not? Why not? All right, Jay. Uh, excellent report as usual. This whole Bartonura uh, information, I'm telling you, this is going to be something that's going to be spoken about for months um, <laughs> as people realize that uh, that three varieties of the four are only available via can. Unbelievable. And if you find out that you're 100% right or, God forbid, not correct about this, let us know as soon as possible. I will update either way. He's the one and only uh, number one kosher wine sommelier on planet Earth. I don't know about the other planets. They may have their own number one kosher wine sommeliers, but Jay is modest enough to keep his uh, distinction uh, completely uh, on planet Earth. Uh, He's the one, the only Jay... Books bound. Have a wonderful week, everybody. You as well, Jay. And enjoy the experience, Elizabeth Shabbaton, this coming Shabbos. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up a uh, Wednesday for us here at JMM. Tomorrow, Daniel Posner, Athletes for Israel, Elliot Steinmetz, coach of the United of the, the United coach of the um, coach of the Yeshiva University men's basketball team. Both guests tomorrow morning right here at JM in the AM. Make sure to be tuned in. Yes, he's why Wednesday live lunch coming up at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Have a fabulous Wednesday till tomorrow. I'm going to go reminding you, remember the past, live the present and trust the future. <laughs>